There's an old rhyme made famous in the 1941 classic film The Wolfman, and it goes like this. Even he who is pure of heart and says his prayers at night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the moon is full and bright. But where did this myth of the man becomes wolf ever originate? Are these exaggerated stories of one of the world's most efficient natural predators? Perhaps the werewolf's carnage is symbolic of the savagery man has inflicted on man over the centuries. Or could there actually be some underlying truth to this folklore? I've got the story, but I'll leave the conclusions to you. Whether it's history, crime, or legend, Stephanie Hoover has that story. The werewolf mythology is based on a form of lycanthropy, whereby men transform into animals. Once transfigured, these creatures possess the intelligence of a man, the ferocity of the wolf, and the supernatural strength of a demon. Combine this physical specimen with its cannibalistic penchant for human flesh, and you're staring helplessly at the stuff of nightmares. Some folklorists believe that the werewolf legends emerged from Norse mythology in whose culture it was believed that gods could take the form of animals. In truth, though, stories of lycanthropy cross all cultures and date back to very early man as even cave paintings prove. The differences lie not in the belief that it's possible, but rather how it actually occurs. In Italy, you have to be born under a full moon to become a werewolf. Other Europeans believe that stripping naked and rolling around a beach in the light of the full moon triggers the curse. Still others suggest that drinking from the same creek as a wolf would do the trick. Early Greeks believed the transformation from man to animal was an annual and accepted part of the seasonal cycle. The Celts held that the curse of the werewolf could be intentionally inflicted on others, as evidenced by the story of St. Patrick, who cast this curse upon the King of Wales. In France, werewolves feed primarily on bodies they dig out of church cemeteries. French legends are also prominent in North America, having arrived with settlers in Canada and American states with strong Cajun roots. And then, of course, there are the clichés. Being bitten by a werewolf makes you a werewolf, as everyone knows. Or you can eat, presumably accidentally, the plant wolfbane. Whatever the cause, tales of men growing fur, claws, and tails are as countless as they are varied. No werewolf story has survived as long as that of the German man Peter Stuba or Stump, depending on the account consulted. During the Counter-Reformation in the late 1500s and early 1600s, when persecutions of supposed witches and werewolves reached its peak, Peter was arrested by authorities in his hometown of Bedburg. 
After being stretched on the torture device known as the rack and knowing there was even more torture to come, Peter confessed to practicing black magic and receiving from Satan a magic belt that enabled him to turn into a wolf. He then detailed his crimes, which included consuming humans, among them his own son. Of course, Peter was found guilty. His punishment, being broken and torn under a specially repurposed wagon wheel to which iron spikes had been added. After that, red-hot pinchers were used to tear bits of flesh from his body. He was then beheaded, and what was left of him was burned on a pyre. Officials executed his daughter and mistress as well. Sadly, Peter Stuba was not the only victim of frenzied prosecutorial misconduct. As with the vampire myth I discussed last week, once the Christian church involved itself, lycanthropy became synonymous with evil. After all, how could man transform into beast without the aid of witchcraft or help from the devil? This zealotry resulted in nearly 20 werewolf trials alone, and that doesn't include trials for vampirism and, of course, witchcraft. As for the classic werewolf mythology, the perception of the wolf as a supernatural predator was cemented in the former province of Givaudan in southern France. Between 1764 and 1767, dozens of children and adults were injured or killed in vicious wolf attacks. The violence only ended when local innkeeper Jean Chastel reportedly shot and killed an oversized wolf with a silver bullet. And so began the transformation of the werewolf from stuff of real life to box office gold. The 1800s birthed a variety of published werewolf stories, drawing on the theme of voluntary metamorphosis. It took nearly a hundred more years, however, for the full moon and silver bullet plot devices to become expected aspects of the retelling of the werewolf legend. Today, the belief in lycanthropy remains an enduring piece of the cultural history of people throughout the world. While Americans and Europeans view this as primarily a man-to-wolf phenomenon, it varies by nation. Russians believe men turn into bears and deer. Japanese folklore tells of humans becoming foxes. In India, humans often become snakes or tigers. And in Western Africa, the most common transformation is man to leopard. But... Here is perhaps the strangest part of the werewolf story. Some of these tales may be, well, true. Medical scientists have identified a very real condition known as zoanthropic paranoia. These very rare cases involve humans who actually believe themselves to be carnivorous animals. Some sufferers have gone as far as inflicting bodily harm on others in an effort to consume human flesh. One such case drew tremendous media attention. It was that of England's Bill Ramsey. Known as the South End Werewolf, Ramsey reported first having the urge to run with the wolves at just nine years old. At age 24, he attacked a friend who was driving Ramsey home from a pub. 
Ramsey tried to sink his teeth into the man's leg, but was forced out of the car before he could do any real damage. He initiated several other attacks over the succeeding years and was arrested multiple times and even committed to a mental health facility. To the surprise of no one familiar with the American couple, even demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren consulted Ramsey on his case. It appears, though, that his wolf tendencies faded naturally and his attacks eventually ceased. Between you and me, I don't know which prospect is actually more terrifying. Meeting on some dark and full moon night one of the half-human, half-wolf creatures born in writers' imaginations, or crossing paths with a dangerous and depraved soul who actually believes himself to be a werewolf. Well, that's my story about the history of werewolves, part five of my six-part Halloween celebration series. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please consider leaving a kind review or visit stephaniehoover.com and send me a message. In the meantime, it's a spooky world out there. So please, be well, be happy, and be kind.